0: You know, we all have technical expertise. I like to call it a hip pocket skill. But at the end of the day, it's about how well we develop the people beneath us.
1: Welcome to Tractionville, a podcast for companies running on EOS. I'm your host Chris White along with Benj Miller and our guest today is certified EOS implementer and author of How to Be a Great Boss, Renee Boyer. Renee, welcome to Tractionville.
0: Well thanks for inviting me Chris and uh, Benj, it's nice to meet you although virtually. I I did see a photograph and Quite stunning that beard.
2: The beard. (laughs) (laughs) The beard. Renee, it's great to have you on. And um, I want to jump straight to your expertise and how you can help us all because you wrote a book called How to Be a Great Boss. And I think there's two groups of people out there, those that are not great bosses and those that think they're great bosses. So teach us what makes a great boss and what we can do to become a better boss.
0: Well, you know, I think the difference, like the way you phrased it, those that are great and those that think they are, (laughs) I think the ones that are great start out by uh, having the right mindset. I I think, you know, a good boss is someone who is humble, uh, that is willing to share the credit. They understand it's not about them. It's about others and serving others. Uh, and, and, you know, you would just never pick them out of a lineup as being a great boss. You know, they're kind of the behind the scenes people a lot of times. So I think humble is a big piece of it and, uh, and they're willing to be vulnerable. And by that, I mean, when they work with people, they, they say, you know, I could use your help. I don't have all the answers, you know, we're in this together. And, uh, and I think that those are, those are two things that are, that are really, really important.
2: Yeah. And who are you writing to? Who was in your, who was in your mind when you were writing this book?
0: Writing to anyone. This message is for anyone who has the responsibility for uh, people that are direct reports. Okay. So whether that's a line supervisor or the owner in a company uh, it's important. And I think it's the most important part of, of the role. You know, we all have technical expertise. I like to call it a hip pocket skill, but at the end of the day, it's about how well we develop the people beneath us. And I just share with you that uh, my lifelong mentor passed away a few days ago.
2: Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh,
0: he was 87 years, yeah, 87 years old. Uh, probably one of the great greatest bosses I ever worked for. And uh, boy, I tell you, when I think about humble and the willingness to be vulnerable, that's the kind of person he was. He was a you know great boss and a great man. And so that's, uh, I just, when I think of the audience, I think of me a long, long time ago.
2: Yeah. And in some ways, were you documenting what he passed down to you?
0: Uh, you know, there's some definitely great stories, (laughs) There's some really good stories in there. Uh, you know, so yeah, I remember at one point and I I share this in the book, uh, I don't give credit to him directly, but I'll give it to him now. Uh, so he doesn't come after me. (laughs) But uh, he called me into his office one one day and uh, said, you know, we really need to really need to talk. And and I thought I was being called into the office because uh, he was going to give me a promotion, which, you know, I was expecting. I, I, I thought I was pretty hot stuff. This is at a young age, you know, and. And uh, when I got into his office, he said, "So how do you think you're doing?" And I said, "Well, you know, I think I'm doing really, really well." And I was kind of wondering, "Why am I even in here?" to <laughs> you know, get to the point. When am I going to get my promotion? <laughs> and he said, "You know, Renee, I got to tell you, you've been a you've been a really big disappointment." Oh wow! And uh, yeah, you talk about someone getting your
1: attention. Did at, he dropped uh, it on you just like, well, like that?
0: Well, you, you know, he was sending me signals that I chose to ignore that, you know, he had higher expectations, but right. now it was time to get my, get my attention. And so, uh, you know, he asked that question and I said, well, uh, you know, how can you say that? I mean, I'm at the top of the leaderboard. I'm, you know, I'm always at number one, number two position, but he knew that I was skating and he said, you know, I got to tell you, uh, all those other people that you're measuring your yourself against, they're meeting my expectations, but, you're not. You know, here's what I expect. I expect you to be here and you're barely here and I need you to make up your mind. Right. And, uh, you know, I I walked out of there. I was a little miffed. And uh, I, when I got home, I thought, dog on it. I, I'm going to show him that I that I can do more. And if he wouldn't have had that conversation with me, I don't know where I'd be today. I'd probably be some Somebody, you know, that was disgruntled or whatever worked mm-hmm. in the old organization because I wasn't even meeting, uh, really even meeting my own uh, expectations. He had higher expectations of me than I had of myself. And I think he cared more about me than maybe I cared about myself. And that's the mark of a great boss.
1: Yeah, that's really good. So Renee, you 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 are at the top of your game. You get sort of a attitude adjustment from your boss, which which I'm sure was pivotal in your career. Um, take us on your journey to EOS because you're one of the originals. If I mean the original four, I think right that Gino uh, first uh, recruited and worked with. Um, what led you yeah. up to EOS? Yeah, so
0: Chris, I spent uh, you know over thirty years in the restaurant industry. I worked my way through college working at Pizza Hut. I kind of fell into the position. I never sought out the role, but uh, you know, started to realize that you know I really enjoyed. I always enjoyed leading more than following.
1: <laughs> <say> mm-hmm.
0: that. <laughs> you know, but but I but I remember when I became a restaurant manager. I thought, now how cool is this? I'm I'm fresh out of college. And I get to pick everyone that I want to work with, so I get to work with people that I really want to work with, and uh, get everybody focused on on, uh, on just a couple of goals, and that's serving great food and making customers happy, and 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 having the immediate gratification of doing that. And uh, and then early on, it was all about about working with people. I didn't really see it as a pizza business. I saw it as a people business. And, uh, and then after about 30 years of, you know, working in different organizations as a franchisee and a company executive and a business owner, uh, I burned out on, on being in that, in, the, in that industry. And that was about the time I, I met Don Tinney. And I know you had Don on the program. And when I say humble, Don's probably one of those people, one of the most humble people you'd ever meet. He sure is. And uh, I had a, about an hour conversation with Don on the phone. And he never once asked me about my, my business acumen. It was all about core values and whether I'd be a great fit in the organization that he and Gino were trying to build. And, uh, I thought, man, this is, this is good stuff. I, I've got to be part of this organization.
2: But at that moment, EOS wasn't really a thing. So how did he find you and, and how did you, Yeah. why were you even (laughs) on the phone with him?
0: This is a long story, but in a nutshell, he ran a—if you can believe this—I mean, if you can believe this—he ran a Craigslist ad in the Chicago market, and uh, I had a friend of mine actually saw the ad. I don't know if he was shopping for lawnmowers or what the heck he was doing, but but uh, somebody saw that ad and said, and he knew that I was in a bit of a transition, and he said, you know, I know that you like helping, and uh, you know that, that, that you you know, you want to consult, uh, this is something that you may want to just put this in the hopper with some of the other things that you're looking at. And that's how I got introduced to EOS. Can wow. you imagine? No,
1: I can't. <laughs> I can't. I remember Walt, Walt Brown, you know, he's, he was one of the original guys with you and, and we've had him on the podcast. And and he said, you know, one day he's just riding his mountain bike and his cell phone rings and, and he usually doesn't answer the phone if he doesn't recognize the number but for some reason he answered the phone and it was don tinney on the other side and walt's yeah. first reaction was uh don uh before he started trying to sell me something how did you find me <laughs> and similarly he's like oh i just went on the internet <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So
0: Don list. Don was Don was overturning stones. Uh must have found Walt and me under the same Well now I feel better that you know Walt doesn't return my phone calls either. So there you go. <laughs> I mean, that's it.
1: So so you <laughs> have this conversation with Don and um it resonated with you and you're like, Okay, I'll drive over to Detroit. Now were you in Minneapolis at the time or Chicago?
0: I was in Chicago. Okay. So
1: you're like, okay, that's an easy drive. I'll come, I'll go check these guys out. And when you logged into that meeting, this is the, I assume you, this is the first time you actually met Gino, was when you showed up for training.
0: Correct. It's the first (laughs) time I met Gino and Don. And I was the first to arrive. So early is on time, on time. (laughs) Okay. So I, I I strolled in. And Don and Gino were standing at the whiteboard, going over their notes. <laughs> you know, like oh, let's make sure we're on the same page. What are we going to do today? And uh, and then the second person to arrive, just for the record, uh, was uh, Mike Payton.
1: Yeah, yeah, our current yeah. visionary at US Worldwide. All right, so you you get in the room, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna share one experience Walt said, and then I want to, I want the, I want you to share your interpretation of that first experience for our listeners. Walt said he got in that room and he's looking around and he's like, Oh my God, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I belong here." there's not one person in this room. that I think is like me, but, but that day, Walt, you know, he had a sport coat and a shirt on and, and so did Peyton. So when they took a break, Walt says, I grabbed Peyton by the arm, brought him out in the hallway away from everybody. And he says, whatever you do, don't leave me alone with these people. (laughs) (laughs) So, because he was like, you're the only other guy wearing a sport coat. I have no idea this crazy, tall, skinny guy at the front, you know, what he's doing, but don't leave me. What what was your experience like, you know, once everybody got in the room? Well, I think, you know, right
0: away, it, it, uh, it was just how sincere uh, both Gino and Don were about about the mission, and they shared, you know, the vision for the organization, and uh, Gino made a statement that, uh, you know, we're just getting started, but just to be clear, you know, our big, hairy, audacious goal, our 10-year target is we will have 10,000 companies Running on EOS. He didn't say it'd be nice if we could have. He said, no, we will have 10,000 companies running on EOS within the next 10 years. And uh, Peyton is a much higher fact finder than me. So I I took, you know, Gino for his word, but Peyton said, well, gee, Gino, uh, how many companies do we have running on EOS today? And Gino said 74. Um, and they were all pretty much Gino's clients at the time. <laughs> so so I was sitting there thinking, well that's a hell of a leap, but I I want to be part of this deal, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. These these people are de- determined that we may not know how we're going to do it right now, but doggone it, we will figure it out. We'll surround ourselves with people that'll help us figure it out and and you know, as you know, you know we, uh, we now reset the target to 100,000 companies.
2: Yeah, you've done well. In a second, I wanna go back to the book and what you've learned since writing the book as you've given lots of, of talks on the matter as you've learned more. I wanna know what you've learned since writing the book. But first, I'm gonna kick it over to Chris. We need to thank our sponsor.
1: Do you need help hiring your next superstar? Have you ever hired someone to learn that they don't align with your culture and core values? Vision Spark is the go-to resource for companies running on EOS. Their team of search professionals are experts in people. Vision Spark's proprietary process ensures that you hire the right person for long-term cultural fit and bottom line growth. Let Vision Spark strengthen the people component of your business. Vision Spark, right search, right team right seats. You can visit VisionSpark at VisionSparkSearch.com
2: Alright, Renee, your book's been out. If you had to rewrite it or amend it, what would you change or what would you add?
0: Well, I don't think I would change that book in any way, but I think there might be another book coming. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. We well, have an exclusive. exclusive. Yeah. yeah, I, I, uh, I've done so many workshops now and, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, one of the, one of the things is that so many, uh, I think bosses, uh, make the role a lot harder than it really needs to be and, uh, have gotten promoted into the role because of technical expertise, but never quite understood what they were really signing up for in terms of the responsibility that they had to people. And, uh, and that's why I say, you know, willingness to be humble and vulnerable, because, uh, you know, as far as I know, nobody ever goes to school to get a degree in how to be a boss. You know, most of us got tossed into the deep end of the pool and it's like, well, figure it out.
2: <laughs> right. So and, true.
0: Uh, and so, yeah. And so, you know, really understanding what the responsibility is for the role. And then developing the skills to be really, really good at doing it. And I've had workshops where people came up to me at the end and said, "Boy, thanks so much for clarifying this. I, you made up, you helped me make up my mind that I don't want to be a boss." Uh. <laughs> it's like good. I say, "Hey, you know what? It's uh, it's that realization that uh, you know I really love doing the, the 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 thing that I'm great at, which is my hip pocket skill, whatever that might be." Uh, but what I don't enjoy is uh, having to, you know, really lead and manage people. I just—it's just not part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And I think what's unfortunate is we put so much value on uh, on on status and moving up. It's like the only way you can make more money and feel valued in an organization is you—you've got to be climbing the ladder to that next level of of responsibility and that next level of responsibility so often involves uh leading and managing people Mm. and i think you know we got to take a little different approach Mm. to how we how we do that
1: i want to key in on your workshops for a moment can you share with the tractionville community what you're doing uh and where they can learn more about these workshops
0: yeah so i do them on a quarterly basis uh get 50 people in the room that uh are all from different companies. So I I limit the number of participants per company to uh, six. And we see people at different tables. So I don't have people from the same company sitting at the same table, Uh, just to kind of mix it up a little bit. And uh, really take them through five leadership and five management practices. But there's so much wisdom in the room. And so as questions come up about each one of the, uh, the leadership or management skills, as those questions start coming up, it's it's an opportunity to uh, for a teaching moment, right? So speaking from experience, who else in the room has had that problem? And it's amazing how many hands go up. Oh, yeah, I've dealt with that. And yeah. then how did you deal with it? You know, how did you deal with it? Give us an example. And uh, that's what makes it powerful. And you get to the end of the day and people realize, regardless of what l- level they're at, in an organization, we're all dealing with the same kinds of issues. And, and that kind of comes down to uh, clear expectations. And, you know, are we really doing a great job of connecting with people and communicating mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and what does it really mean to build a, a culture of accountability? So that we're not running around feeling like we have to hold people accountable, which is impossible. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and so, you know, generally about a three and a half hour, four hour, kind of workshop doing a, a deep dive into a lot of the things that we uh, that we covered in the book
1: are you doing these in one location every quarter or are you moving it around so i've been doing uh
0: three sessions in chicago and one in minneapolis and then sometimes what's come out of that is you know invariably there'll be someone from a company that that has that maybe a larger company and they'll ask if i'll come in and do a uh you know a private workshop for the group I did one last week for a company up in Minneapolis that had you know I think we had a room with about 70 bosses in there it was wow. really cool including including the CEO of the company right so it was everybody you know and, and you know just uh, hats off to those guys you know that that was important enough that they took time out of their busy day to participate
1: right so when you're talking to them and you're in your workshop and and when you say culture of accountability um Kind of paint that picture for us. What does that look like? So think about, you
0: know, in in EOS terms, you know, we, we say that having great people is a combination of right people that share core values and uh, being in the right seat. And that means that the seat is right to begin with. It's clearly defined. And we, as we're explaining that seat and we're explaining our core values, you're creating uh a clear picture of what you want someone to accept accountability for. So you're accepting accountability to behave in a way that supports the company's culture, and you genuinely get it, want it, and have the capacity to do the major roles of the seat that you're in. hmm and when you think about it, that's what we're asking someone for. You know, we're, we're working with adults here. This, these aren't kids, right. right? Sometimes we treat them like children, but it's, okay, uh, Mr. Adult, will you accept accountability for this? Right. And uh, I, think it's a, I think it's a fair question. Instead of, we assume that, you know what, you're probably not going to take any responsibility or accept any uh, accountability, so I'm going to have to be on you all the time. And like, like a parent that's trying to get their kids to clean up their room. (laughs) Right. Right. It doesn't work that way.
1: When your bosses, when when they go through the workshop, right? And they, they take, uh, all of the, 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 wisdom in the room and the tips and the golden nuggets and what have you. And, and, uh, you know, the five leadership abilities, the five management, when they get out there, how do we measure their effectiveness as a boss?
0: Yeah, great question, Chris. So one of the challenges at the end of the workshop is, you know, I want everybody to commit to a time frame where they can answer yes or no to uh, to the five leadership practices and five management practices. So typically people will say, okay, in six months, I will be able to say yes to each one of those, right? Hand over heart, I'm actually doing this. And I've had a direct conversation with my direct report, you know, an open and honest conversation saying, Hey, give me a little feedback. How am I doing? And so six months seems to be a reasonable time frame. People sign up for that. Uh, three months in, I send them an email just nice little tap on the shoulder, uh, with the checklists saying, give me some feedback. How are you guys doing? And uh, if you need help, give me a call. And I've had people reach out to me with emails and phone calls and, uh, people make genuine progress. So it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. You know, and the other thing on that subject is if we do things really, really well in terms of uh, quarterly conversations and, and, and these uh, leadership and management practices uh, I don't think we should have anybody in our organization that isn't the right person in the right seat uh, for more than six months. Yeah, because yeah. if that's the case and, and a people issue is just dragging on and on and on, uh, and this may sound a little harsh, but I really believe that we're stealing people's lives.
2: Wow.
0: Yeah. That uh, we're, we're being a bit L-A-Z-Y and uh, pain avoidance and, right. you know, better to keep them than to have to replace them and all these, you know, these excuses. But it's just not right. And I don't think that's genuinely caring about people. And I think you owe it to someone to say, hey, you know, if you're not happy... Uh, Let me help you get to a place where you are happy. And maybe it's not here. That's right. (laughs) You know, maybe it's
2: not here. Renee, some of our audience is new to the Tiki Hut of EOS. And uh, for those that might not know, would you you take us into the five leadership abilities and the five management abilities?
0: Yeah. So on the leadership side, you know, it starts with uh, providing clear direction, And that's not telling people what to do. (laughs) That's painting a vivid picture of where we're going, why it's important and how it's going to how how we're going to get there. And when you think about great leaders in history, they've all done that. Right. Uh, uh, So once you've done that, it's providing the necessary tools right? providing Mm -hmm. the necessary tools. So it's one thing to get everybody all jazzed about where you are going, but if you don't give them the tools and resources, that can be a bit debilitating and frustrating. Uh, And then for leaders, you know, letting go of the vine, you know, this ability to let go and delegate and let other people in the organization take things on. I mean, it sounds so simple and it's a very simple concept, but it's so so hard for leaders to do because they're hanging on, they're hanging on too tight, trying to do everything themselves. You know, and it's just, just exhausting. And then, you know, I think another important thing is are you really acting with the greater good in mind? You know, so it's all about the greater good. And and as a leader, you're on stage all the time. People are looking at you and they're evaluating you not by what you say, but by what you do. And so are your actions and words really supporting the greater good and think about, Tough uh, decisions that companies sometimes need to make, and if there's a consistent pattern of people in the organization watching these behaviors and these actions and saying, "Yeah, they always make the decision for the greater good," so we may not like the decision, but we understand it's for the greater good and not for someone else's personal aggrandizement, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. and then. And then I think the tool that's probably the the, the 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 least leveraged is what we call clarity breaks. And this is just taking time to think. I was watching a, a documentary the other night about uh, Bill Gates and he takes what he calls think weeks. So he'll take a whole week off, pack up a bunch of books and go sit someplace in solitude for a week and just think. Now that's a little bit of a, of a dramatic, <laughs> right, think time. But taking the time to get out of the weeds, elevate yourself above the day-to-day and really focus on the business and on your life. You know, we always hear this thing about work-life balance. Forget that. It's more about life balance, right? Is it all working? And so uh, clarity breaks. And then on the management side, you know, hats off to my former mentor, you know, clear expectations. And clear expectations are a two-way street. You know, it's important mm-hmm. that our direct reports are clear of our expectations of them, but it's got to work the other way, too. We need to be clear on their expectations of us and of the organization. And as Gino was fond of saying, and I would agree, uh, all accountability starts <laughs> with keeping expectations crystal clear. And then, you know, the other thing is really communicating effectively effectively. So George Bernard Shaw said that the problem with communication is the illusion that it's actually happened. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and so much of communication is, uh, is just making sure that we know what's on each other's mind. And I think it's a human condition that we all make assumptions. And uh, it's when we test those assumptions and we have the courage to test those That's assumptions right. that we really find out whether we're on the same page. And when we fail to do that, you know, boy, it's really doing a disservice, not only to ourselves, but to others as well. And so, you know, clear expectations, communicating well, and then having a great meeting pulse. always like to ask the question. Of groups that I work with, uh, so uh, let me ask you: Do you guys feel like you have enough meetings? <laughs> <laughs> no one, no one's ever said that's a great question. You know, we don't meet frequently enough. I think we need a few more meetings around here, <laughs> right? And, and so when I think of meetings, I, I think you know a purpose of a meeting is we should be increasing team health. We should be solving issues and getting stuff done. Mm-hmm. What a concept. <laughs> and, you know, so often they're not, they're not like that. And I think that that's a, a role of a good manager is to make sure that uh, the meetings are effective and we got plenty of time to get stuff done. There's nothing worse than homework. Personally, I never liked homework. <laughs> we should get the work right. done in the meetings as much as possible. And then, you know, the next manager is uh, are these quarterly conversations sitting down with a direct report on a quarterly basis and having a real conversation right around what's working, what's not working, what do we got to do to get it back on track? How can I help and give me a little feedback. And the purpose of those is to improve the relationship between the boss and their direct report and not let the circles get disconnected Mm. and, uh, boy i'll tell you we've got 150 years of horrible hr practices with annual performance reviews and these crazy ratings and forms and all this nutty stuff that really keeps us from developing a relationship we're more important more focused on you know pushing the form than we are pushing the person right. <laughs> yeah. you know and uh yeah so quarterly conversations and and uh you know that's that's essentially, you know, the, uh, the long and short of it. And then the, the last one in terms of management is reward and recognize. That's right. And which is another one, you know, I, I asked people, so, uh, you know, in your company, do you feel like you're really overdoing it on the uh, reward and recognition piece?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> you
0: know, are we really over the top? You know, people are constantly being praised and, and criticized and then and no, you know, we, we tend to ignore that. And, uh, And so when you think about praise, uh, you know, we had a speaker at one of our EOS conferences a couple of years ago say, uh, you know, here's a nice little acronym for praise, you know, TSP, truthful, specific and positive. And so when you praise, never end praise with that dreaded word, but. But. Yeah, you know, and then I think it should be helpful criticism. And can we please use that word? Right. I'm going to give you some helpful criticism. There's no point in sugarcoating it. You're going to criticize someone, but you're doing it in private and you're doing it from a good place, just like my old mentor, Jim Murdy, did. right? right. Uh, I'm going to give cool. you a little helpful criticism, Renee. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and, right. And always err on the side of more praise than criticism. And I think you'll be just right. fine. So you do those 10 things and you can't help but be great. Now, it's so simple but it's so hard in practice. Of course. Of course. And that's, that's why, that's why it's an ongoing lifelong journey.
1: Right. Renee, where can our listeners go to find your book?
0: How to be a great boss. You can go to, go to Amazon is the best way to find it. And you can uh, buy bulk copies of the book uh, directly from the publisher, Ben Bella. Okay. And if you do buy the book on Amazon and you like the book, write a positive, uh, you know, testimonial about the book. If you don't like the book, then just don't bother to write
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Renee, we like to um, close the podcast with asking our guests a couple questions. So, the 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 first question is: It's it's Friday afternoon, four fifty-five, and you're getting ready to end your work week and start your weekend. When you look back on your week. How do you know you had a good week?
0: <laughs> what a great question. <laughs> you know, I think when you you know when you get to the end of the week and you, you you think to yourself, you know, I left it all on the field. You know, this was a great week. I helped people, progress is being made. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've we've had some breakthroughs and uh you know you that's where the where the clarity break comes in. You know, what went well, what could I have done better? Am I better better today than I was yesterday is next week going to be better than this week. You know, it's a journey. It's a journey about, you know, just perfecting your craft and getting better and better at it. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good week.
1: All right. The last question is, uh, you're, you're speaking directly to our Tractionville audience and what, what's your message to them? About being a great boss or a great manager, what 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 can you share with them if you had one minute? What would you say to them?
0: With the uh, Tractionville community about being a great boss?
1: Yeah,
0: Uh, I think I just I would just go right back to the beginning. That uh, uh, you know, it's it's be humble and be be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and uh, and stay focused on on uh, on doing the hard work doing the hard work, yeah. you know, this yeah. is, this is, this, there's actually work in work.
2: <laughs> 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 you know,
0: And I don't think, I don't think, uh, there's any entitlement at all. I mean, you got to earn it. You got to earn it all the time. And, uh, you know, I, in the book, we talk about, uh, that word boss, we intentionally use that word. And, you know, it was originally, it's a Dutch word, uh, a term of respect used to address a person in charge. And when you think about it that way, you know, if you're a boss, you should be walking around saying, I'm pretty proud of being a boss. (laughs) I (laughs) earned it. (laughs) I earned that title. I earned that title.
2: That's perfect. Renee, thank you so much. Tractionville, if you're interested in learning more about Renee and his practice, look him up at tractionprocesses.com. As for us, like us, rate us, subscribe, share with a friend. Go to our website, tractionpodcast.com. Give us some feedback. Tell us your thoughts, your ideas. We're listening. We're growing. We're a startup, just like many of you were at one point. And as always, we'll see you next week when we drop on Tractionville Tuesday.